Hey, welcome back to the Reframe Podcast by Framework Church. This is part two of a two-part series that we've been doing on the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare uh, with a few of our pastors here at Framework Church. And so give it a listen. You're in for another treat today. So I kind of want to transition here into, uh, you're probably going to think this question is funny, but uh, we have a ton of movies on it. And uh, I asked uh, some of our youth uh, members a few weeks ago what their thoughts on it were uh, when it came to uh, the concept of the spiritual realm and, and the spiritual world. Um, but here's here's a question on the concept of aliens. Um <laughs> Like, is it possible that aliens could exist? Like, is it is it possible that if God created us, could He not also create extraterrestrial other beings? beings? What, like aliens? Yeah. Let's just beat that question around for a minute. I mean, the the way you pose it is a yes or no. So, is it possible? Absolutely. God is the God of the entire universe. If He chose to create another set of beings on another planet. He has the power to do so. So is it possible? Absolutely. So are you saying right now, Jason Blakey, that you believe aliens are real? (laughs) No, I believe aliens can exist through the power of God. (laughs) So aliens exist through the power. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Take your words and twist. Jason believes in E.T. Right. (laughs) Go home. Yeah. Yes. What are your thoughts? (laughs) What are your thoughts? I'll be addressing that on episode two. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Honestly, I I would cu- agree with Jason. As in, I I don't think I don't think it's outside of God's you know power or uh, creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did listen to a podcast on it. The thing that struck me most from it was he brought in the theory of if like totally speculating if there are extraterrestrials, if there are aliens, maybe we need to read into our state. Are they fallen? Are they not? Uh, And he kind of tossed around those two ideas of if they're not fallen and they've discovered us and they've watched us as some people like to speculate that aliens are watching us and, you know, we've seen sightings of aliens. Uh, If they're not fallen, why would they want to interact with our fallen fractured broken world um yeah, if no one in their now we're, we're really speculating here no, no one totally, in their race yeah bit out of the apple you're saying right that what I'm hearing you yeah say? well i would guess the answer to that could be the same reason that angels who did not bite the apple want to interact with us mm-hmm. why do angels want to interact with their michael gabriel you know those angels are without sin mm-hmm. they interact with us so, but I mean, angels are also God's messengers, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we see through scripture, angels interacting with us, uh, they usually they're on missions sent from God. So what would your, what would happen to your theology if a mothership floated over the White House, landed on the White House lawn and actual extraterrestrial creatures came out and addressed the people of earth? What would that do to your theology? That's a really good question. I mean, doesn't it come down to purpose? Like, if yeah. you look at the purpose of humanity is to glorify God, is to right. give glory to God. In my mindset, 
if he created another race, it'd be for that purpose as well. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless he created the angels for a certain purpose, he created us for a certain purpose. In that case, angels and demons, they are aliens, if you're looking at right. it that way, right? But if... Maybe. <laughs> I was wondering if someone was going to bring that up or not. Um, but if you're looking at it in this sense, if there's life on another planet, what purpose did he do it for? And you just got to trust that God has reasons for doing yeah. Do you, that. Do you think that I've heard of a theory that, you know, in the ancient times, you know, pre-flood, the fallen angels presented themselves and the Nephilim as gods, right? right? And so the all of these ancient gods, uh, Ra and, you know, Baal and all of these were actually fallen angels masquerading, right? Mm-hmm. And in that superstitious world, people believed they were gods and they worshiped them. Now the, the enlightenment has come. We live in the age of reason. So we've moved from superstition in some circles to science. So could it not be that these spiritual beings are now presenting themselves as extraterrestrials? And this for the same purpose to deceive people because we're not going to believe in Ra. You know, it's just like that movie Stargate when you saw that Ra was really a, a, an alien. Well, maybe the quote unquote aliens, these these beings are really just angelic interdimensional beings that are impersonating an extraterrestrial being to gain the worship of people at some future time. You know, mm-hmm. if there's ever a an actual re- revealing and all of a sudden they land on the White House, who's to say that those aren't angelic beings sent to deceive humanity? Yeah, I also think our concept of extraterrestrials is totally framed around Hollywood. Like when as soon as somebody says alien, I don't I don't just think of ET, but I think of a lot of movies like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if if they did exist. I mean, I honestly I don't think it would rock my theology too much if if I came to find out they did, uh, simply because I you know would agree with Jason. I think that there would be purpose involved and. Right. Yeah, even I if think even if they glorify the Lord, even if they, because uh, the idea is uh, panspermia, the idea that we were planted here by aliens, so we evolved. This is what they would say because the the information for our evolution was planted by an alien race, and so that's where some people have an issue with them. Yeah. But even if that were true, I don't think it is. But even if it were, I wouldn't rock my faith because you always got to go back to a first cause right so let's say the aliens created us well who created them and if they were right. planted by some of the being eventually you got to go back and say where did it start mm-hmm. there's got to be a starting mm-hmm. point which was yeah it. exactly yeah yeah and i i personally like i'm a bit of a skeptic by nature so i would probably err on the side of i don't believe in aliens yeah um but because i like to imagine a lot of things i do like to speculate and so thanks for humoring yeah. me yeah, that's right there's a lot of sightings of it, though i mean you, there's thousands and thousands of people who have seen something so the question is what are people really seeing yeah so I, I'm, I'm not i don't doubt that there is something there but i just think it's interdimensional not right. extraterrestrial i would i would agree with that so let's uh let's transition here uh, to the concept of oppression and possession like the majority of the questions that were submitted for our spiritual warfare series were mainly on uh, demonic oppression and possession. And so a uh, question that uh, has come in that I've kind of starred as an important question is, it, it says, uh, for a human to be possessed by an evil spirit, do they have to be willing 
to surrender control of their mind and body in order for an evil spirit to possess them. Okay, so what, what's the difference between oppression and possession? We talked about this last week a little bit just in our as we were preparing for the panel, but uh, I actually like how Pastor Rick put it very simply, oppressed is influenced, possessed is controlled. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that a born-again believer professing Jesus can be possessed, but again, one who is close to Jesus can. We see that in the Gospels, talking about Judas, mm-hmm. um, in Luke 22, verse 3, uh, Luke writes that Satan entered into Judas. So, uh, yeah. You know, the, the Gospels don't make a distinction between those two. I mean, the word oppressed isn't even used, I don't right. think, in relation to that. But the word that's used is demonized. Mm. Someone was demonized. Uh, and so I think it's a continuum with oppression being influenced on one end of that continuum and possession on the far extreme other end of that continuum. And a person has to open some doors for a demon to take complete control of somebody. Whether those doors are opened ancestrally through parentage or uh, volitionally by somebody engaging in activities that are cultic, like, say, working with a Ouija board, something like that, that may open a door. But I think of that story where Jesus talks about how the demon is cast out of somebody and they go wandering, Mm -hmm. looking through... Yeah. Dry places, and if the house isn't clean, they find seven worse than themselves, and they come back. Well, that indicates that the person who had the demon cast out didn't necessarily invite the demons back in, but they came back in because there was a void there that didn't get filled. But the implication would be if they turn their lives over to Christ, that void is filled, and then the demons can't come back in. Too. Right. So there's a permission that can be granted, but there can also be they can be refused, but there can also be a permission granted without them necessarily knowing they're granting the position the, the permission. Mm-hmm. In that sense, and Neil Anderson um, has a program about steps to freedom. And if you look through all that in his uh, in his book Victory Over Darkness, it's really um, looking through the identity and knowing who you are in Christ, and actually calling that out and identifying it. But also, when you look through that steps to freedom in Christ uh, material, it's actually there must be a list of twenty or thirty things that you actually have to look through and say, "What did I allow into my life?" that are somewhat considered childhood games like uh, light of light as a feather or bloody Mary or things that you think are harmless could actually be letting demons into your life. So that first question you asked to say the word willful, that's really where I, I question it because it's not always a conscious decision right? to say, I'm going to willfully allow a demon into my life, but you're consciously doing something that does allow it to come in. Does that make sense? You're, yeah, because you could do like someone could get into transcendental meditation, let's say, and could actually do astral projection where their spirit leaves their body and that leaves a, a, a void for something to come in. And they didn't ask a demon in, but there were gates that were opened. Or you asked the question about drugs, you know, the word for for a sorcery is the word pharmakeia in the Greek, mm-hmm. which we get our word pharmacy. pharmacy. Yeah. So it's using drugs for the purpose of altering the mind or the mood of an individual. And so people that go into altered states of consciousness through drugs, say peyote, often see the spirit world. They have in, they have encounters with the spirit world because that third eye or that, that ability to perceive the spirit realm is somehow opened up through the altered state of consciousness. And that can happen through meditation too. And that makes them 
they interact with beings and that can open up doors. That doesn't mean necessarily they're going to get possessed, but they're opening up doors that could lead to that just through those activities. At least for the influence, maybe not the oppression, not the possession. Like at least not at first, but it could lead to it. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're, especially if you continue to open up the doors. Well, yeah. And especially like taking Rick's, Rick's piece that uh, like the concept of oppression and possession, it's, it's not two separate things. It's as if one is a lesser of the two in the sense that oppression is almost as in. They're knocking on the door. Yeah. They're like trying, to, trying to manipulate and skew reality in such a way that allows them to gain more and more control of your life. And, and as that becomes more open, as you said, like opening up doors uh, or altering our state of consciousness, it, it gives them more freedom and more control. Yeah. Do you think that there are like universal things that will always open doors for every single person? Or do you think that's individual case by case? It's a good question. I mean, I don't know. If you went to a satanic coven ceremony and as a visitor and you participated in worshiping Satan and praying to him, and would you get possessed? Maybe, maybe not. Like it does... Somebody visits the Church of Satan, let's say, in California. I mean, there's an official church like yeah. that. And if, say, they're doing a black mass and you visit and are in that service, does that mean you're going to get possessed? Uh, I've heard, I don't know if this is true. I did see a video of this, but I heard that sometimes Marilyn Manson, and, and sometimes doing a mockery, just in jesting, but will do like a satanic ritual in his concerts. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think everybody that goes to those concerts are going to get possessed. Uh, maybe some people do. I think it also matters... Uh, about our concept again, this goes back to the concept of Satan and demons, that they can't be everywhere all at once. So it's not like there's a lineup of demons and Satans waiting for you to open a door and they're just going to rush through. Right. If the door's open, they probably could. I mean, I have my dog at home and she'll be running around outside. I'll open up the door. She doesn't run back in. In fact, sometimes it takes me about a half hour of asking her to get back in the house before she finally decides she's ready to come into the house. I think there are times that we invite demons into our lives. They won't enter. Because they're not even there. Right. But there are there are other times where, and again, they kind of know your surroundings, that you're setting yourself up and they may notice that you're getting ready to invite them in and they'll be there waiting. When you open the door, you've got to be at least expecting that something came through, mm -hmm. but something doesn't always come through. That When I was working with Dr. Miller uh, years ago, he used to talk about, because he dealt with a lot of the demonization stuff, and there would be some people who would... Uh, have an infiltration of a spirit because they had sexual intercourse with somebody who also had a spirit mm. and that the sharing at that level of intimacy actually opened up the door for them to oh. be possessed. Mm. So, so that, that activity is, it, you know, that's the most sacred, intimate opening of ourselves to a person there is. And so if they have something, it can be transferred. So, mm. and he cast out a number of spirits from people who attain those spirits in that way. Wow. And that would make sense wow. if you look at, we talk about generational demons or right. things as well that would, that would follow in the same mindset. Interesting. Yeah. So, so safe sex for marriage. <laughs> make, can, sure, make sure they're not possessed first. Yeah. <laughs> all I can think of is STDs, sexually transmitted demons. <laughs> yeah. totally. Or spiritually, spiritually transmitted diseases. Yeah, right. Spiritually transmitted <laughs> I don't know if I want to That's what that, that grin was. I was like, <laughs> anyway. So thinking of, I mean, Jason's illustration of sometimes we open the door and demons don't, 
initially come in right away or over time by us doing things it allows more freedom for demonic oppression what what does it look like with jesus in the sense of what if sometimes we're searching and we're looking and it's as if we're not trying to see you know demonic oppression in our life but we're actually trying to search for for truth and goodness and uh, holiness that like there is a God that is out there um, and we're trying to find him. Like, can we speak to that? Like opening the door of our, our soul and our lives for the Lord. Cause I think sometimes people think, well, I've, I'm ready for God, but it seems as if he's just not there. Yeah. I think back to what you said, Jason, that God is different than the demon because the demons like, your dog, not to say your dog is demonic, but that well, isn't at the entrance of the door every time it's open, but the Holy Spirit is. Yeah. He's constantly there, kind. He's always ready. Like today right. is the day of salvation, mm-hmm. scripture says. Right. And it's always today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's, and so if somebody calls on the name of the Lord, he's there. Right. And I think that also, again, goes to show, I mean, you mentioned that demons and evil spirits, they can't be everywhere all at once. Like they're, they're limited to their location uh, yet scripture tells us that the lord is everywhere always and he knows all things and is available to all things and i think that just shows when we are open to the lord he answers the call yeah and it's not even going to be there's no possible way in cases like that that a demon will be able to push god out of the way i mean if he's ready to come through the door he's not gonna let anything come in with him right he's, he's full enough he's big enough that when he comes through, that's all that's getting at. Well, and then scripture shows, like, even with Jesus, like, the demons and evil spirits, they shudder at the presence of glory. Yeah. So I don't even, I think if, I think that's that's a good indication as to what Victoria said about how those of us who, who are professing followers of Jesus and dwell in his presence and have the Holy Spirit dwelling with us, as the scripture of John 15 talks about abiding, we can't be possessed because if we bear the reflection of the Son of God, as Scripture tells us, the demons will run and flee. Well, you have the Holy Spirit in you when you're born again. Yeah. Right? You receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, if you look at the Gospels, every time Jesus, like the, men, like the story you mentioned, he went into the synagogue and there was a demon-possessed boy. Well, he wasn't able to stay quiet. Mm. He immediately started to scream when mm-hmm. Jesus came into the room. And anytime Jesus encountered anybody, like Legion, that was demon possessed, they manifested, they couldn't stand being in his presence. So if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, demons can't be in there. They just cannot right. be in his presence. Right. And I think that's important for us as followers of Jesus to understand our position of not just being a witness for the love and grace and hope of Jesus for humanity, but understanding the authority we have right. in the spiritual realm. Right. I mean, John 1 says that Jesus is the light of the world and he has come into the darkness and the darkness has not come overcome him. Uh, But then in Matthew, he says, you are to be the light of the world, like a city on a hill. Uh, I love the the fact that as a follower of Jesus, I get to to say, hey, I can be a beacon of light and hope for people because I know where hope comes from. I know who hope is, who peace is. But why do you think sometimes we we sit back and diminish almost as in hide our light. I, I don't know if it's not letting the light shine as much as it is fearful of what people are going to think in a lot of ways in, in today's culture. Um, I mean, Satan's happy for us to sit back and do nothing, but 
I, I think there's also such a pushback in our culture today when they hear the word Jesus. Um, we have, on one end, Christians that are shoving stuff in people's faces, picketing at funerals and uh, just yelling hate at people. And, uh, and then you've got the other end, you've got people that are happy to sit in church and not even share the word of God and not leave their pews except for to get up, go home, and then go back to church the next Sunday. Um, the reality is there's a happy medium of being out in the world, being in amongst people who don't know Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. sharing the love of God every day. Right. And that's really where we're asked to be out in the world amongst the people sharing God. And that's where Satan doesn't want us to be. He wants us to either be in our pews or misrepresenting Christ. I guess he's happy with both of those. Well, it almost simplified even more than like worrying about, I need to be out, I need to be in. Like, isn't our fundamental call to obedience Absolutely. and to Jesus himself? And so the more that we're like tuning in our hearts to his voice, like he's faithful to speak and to direct our, our steps. Like Ephesians 2.10 is something I always reference back to, but Paul writes about the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So as we abide, as we listen, as we walk, we're going to be where he's laid out for us to be, you know. And directing us to people that he wants to talk exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. He's very intentional. That's right. You know, going back to the question that you asked about, uh, can a Christian be possessed? You were talking about the light. This verse came to my mind. And in Ephesians 5, it says, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light for everything that becomes visible is light. Mm-hmm. So thinking about my heart, if it's exposed to the light, it becomes light. Wow, and and the darkness can't stay there. Yeah. All right. That is uh, all we have for time today. And so I think this was a great first segment uh, for our Reframed podcast. And so if you would like to see more, you will. And coming up in January is going to be a new sermon series on church and culture. We're going to be answering a lot of the spicy questions about culture. And you'll want to listen to the sermon series on that and the podcast that will be attached to that series. If you would like to attend one of our services, they are every Saturday at 6 p.m. and every Sunday at 10 a.m. And we would love to have you. So be sure to click on the subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode of Reframed.